Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Twyla After Show podcast. We have a good one here today. Joining me, of course, Carl Wiggers, the co-producer of This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, as well as co-host Kristen Oakes-White and Avery Davidson. Guys, uh, we've got some good stories today. It's an interesting, eclectic mix of stories. Let's start off with yours, Carl. You have a really good, interesting story about a man who has gone through a lot in order to get back to his cotton farm. That's right. Well, he's not actually a farmer. He's a seed rep. Oh, that's but right. seed um, he was raised on a farm, so that's there, there's that. But he, uh, I think it hits all the marks for you know most Louisiana farmers. You know, he's a former LSU football player. <laughs> he works in agriculture as a seed rep. And he also is a big duck hunter. And um, so I don't know if I was able to get, I'm not, I'm not able to get all three of those into the actual three minute story, but uh, we did get all those topics covered in the, the the Louisiana Farm Life podcast, which you know how I feel about podcasts. So there's that. But everybody knows how everybody you feel knows about podcasts. how podcasts. Yeah, yeah, I love them. But he, uh, he's got an incredible story. He had an uh, accident that was, you know, almost fatal. You know, duck hunting uh, right after Christmas this past year, and he was uh, shot in the leg, and they had to amputate the leg at the hip, and uh, he lost, you know, so much blood. I mean, as you can imagine, right there at that artery. But he, uh, he, he. Twelve days later, he was, you know, in a coma for twelve days. Had thirteen surgeries, three hundred twenty units of blood, and you know, he made his way back. And uh, you did know, I hear you say? Just a minute ago, that in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, that he was pronounced dead. Well, I don't know if they pronounced him dead, but he lost a heartbeat and lost a pulse for a little while. Uh, for I mean, I think 40, 45 minutes, something like that. It was crazy, and I don't even know how that's possible. I'm not a doctor, but you know, yeah, he was without I think a heartbeat multiple times in you know the whole event. I mean, he was in the middle of a he's in Mississippi duck hunting, mm-hmm. and uh, he and some some family members, and you know he. They're out in the middle. They're just they're finishing the duck hunt. They're piling their stuff onto a uh, side by side, and th- he was clearing the gun and didn't clear the one in the chamber, the shell in the <laughs> chamber. And the dog jumps up on the you know the back of the side by side, and the gun went off. And uh, so, what what's crazy though is to think you know they're in the middle of a North Mississippi you know rice field or whatever it may have been. I don't even remember, but they had to have the presence of mind to. You know, obviously call 911, but get him to a highway. And what was crazy, and, and Matt said this in the interview with the, uh, for the podcast, he said, had they taken me to the camp and not to that nearest highway, he probably would have died because that saved the ambulance, you know, however much time to get to him right there. It's just an incredible story. When you think about how lucky he is to be to alive. To say lucky is an understatement yeah, is. when you talk about the details of the story. And what's crazy is he's come out with a whole new perspective on life, as I'm sure you, anyone would. You know, he's really, you know, he knows what's important in life. You know, he he's treasures the time he has with his family now, which, I mean, we all probably treasure our time with our family. But, you know, when you have Something like that happening and getting to see his little son, his two-year-old son again, you know, that becomes very real. I'm sure he, you can imagine. He did survive with a sense of humor intact. He did. <laughs> He's a funny guy. He is. And one of the things that I asked him, you know, in the podcast, he was talking about, you know, because he was an LSU, for, a former player at LSU, I saw him actually at the Florida game, and we talked about that, and he's like, man, there's nothing that beats being on LSU's campus during a football game, but, you know, for him because he missed those four years really of duck hunting because football season kind of is his life when you're playing football at LSU. I asked him, I said, what are you more excited about taking your two-year-old to a duck blind or taking him to his first LSU game? 
And he's like, man, that's a good question. But uh, I think he said at the time, right now, I mean, I put him on the spot with that question when he said it's LSU right now. He also plans on duck hunting again this year, which I just mean, I guess if you love it, you love it, but... I, I get it. I mean, he's doing what he loves, and, and it was a freak accident. Really. It was, It was yeah. not, you know, uh, a product of normal interaction. But it does go to show, you know, how important safety is yeah. as well as learning first aid techniques because you never know when something weird like that is going to happen. What I thought was really interesting when we talked about it on the show was how the ag community really came together, not just to help mm-hmm. him spiritually or with, you know, thoughts and prayers, but with financial help as yeah. well. Yeah, one of the things, actually, the first time, even though we're from the same area of northeast Louisiana, one of the the first place I saw it was on Southern Farming. Was it being the story being shared around, the GoFundMe being shared around, and there were blood drives that, you know, in his name, people were going and get, giving blood. It was, it was a pretty cool thing, but, you know, it's that same theme. We talk about it every week, but farmers coming to the help and mm-hmm. to, to aid each other in their community, and it, it's just, you know, it's one of those feel-good aspects of the story that's just hard to... Uh, hard to ignore and it, it was neat to see kind of the way that they kind of came to his side before you went and shot the story you said you were struggling because it was such a great story but having a hard agriculture connection to me that that's the heart of oh, it and honestly once i got there and started visiting with him i was like wait this is silly that i had that in my mind because right. his dad is a long time you know ag, they were farmers growing up he grew up on a farm his family still big they're big farmers in that Rayville area and, you know, his dad's involved in the ag finance world. He's involved in the chemical, and he's a chemical salesman, or uh, not a chemical, a seed rep. So, I mean, there's so much of a tie there. But like you said, I mean, just the, the good story of the farmers coming to his right. aid and the community coming to his help. It's, and so many farmers are duck hunters on the side or deer hunters. or Yeah, yeah. So I think there's, yeah. It's, Including one you know. Uh, yeah, well. you know one? You know, you know a hunter? Uh, it's not a good time of year to talk about that. <laughs> I was about to say he's more of a hunter than a farmer at this time of the year. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me segue then into a different story before Kristen blows her top there. <laughs> I, uh, I I went out and talked to a guy you know, Carl, mm-hmm. who is uh, Alan McLean Jr. Yeah. He and his dad are rice farmers. Alan McLean Sr. started the rice farm 40 years ago. And unfortunately, they've run across some pretty tough times here lately. The issue is this year has been a lot better than last year, but we've seen year after year after year. If you follow Twyla, you know that the rice industry has just gone through such difficult times with low prices, bad weather, bad crops, bad yields. This year's a little different. The yields are up slightly from last year. Um, The weather has been a little better. The prices are a little better. But it's just not enough. It's not enough for these uh, rice farmers to really do anything but scrape by, even with the PLC program, which is the government aid package that was established in the 2018 Farm Bill. It's just that uh, right now, and I said this on set, you know, you've got the situation where most rice farmers in Louisiana are tenant farmers, just like all farmers in Louisiana, almost all farmers. And so they owe their landowners. And the landowners look at agriculture conditions. Now, some, of course, are very sympathetic. They want to grow rice on the farm. Some areas are more conducive to one crop or the other. But even in that area, you see sugarcane being grown. And a lot of rice farmer landowners, rather, are looking at the fact that sugarcane has been solvent for a few years now and rice hasn't. So as in from an investment point of view, from a monetary point of view, from the bank's point of view, 
they've got to be thinking about, you know, is rice worth growing anymore? And and it's a sad situation. I mean, even if they get a good year or two, another bad year or even an average year like this year just isn't enough to make it make financial sense for some folks. And the tough part about rice is you're looking at a commodity in which the U.S. market does not control the price. I mean, we grow a very small percentage of rice in this country when you compare it to what's grown in Vietnam, Thailand, some places that Carl's going to be going whenever he goes on his ag leadership trip. You know, that's that's where the real control of the price happens. That's right. And that's, they produce so much that it just drives the price down for our folks. Well, something that you brought up, too, was that a lot of people grow rice because that type of soil is not suitable to grow much else. Mm-hmm. And and it uh, you know many of them are double crop with crawfish. And in 2018 was a weird year because for some folks out there, crawfish was making more money than their rice was. And that's just a you know it's a it's a testament to the demand of crawfish across the country, which is just skyrocketing. And that's wonderful. But you've got to have that rice crop to grow. And and I mean the bankers are sitting there looking at it like well, why should we bankroll this this stuff? And it's an inconsistent crop, too. It is. Just like It is an extremely inconsistent crop. And, and you know, Alan, I'm, one thing I know farmers hate when you go out and do stories with them is they hate when they've got weeds in the field. You <laughs> yes, know, that happens to, yeah. to every farmer. Uh, this year for rice, weeds were just a big problem. And yeah. I mean, and Alan had a, did a really good job controlling it, but still, they were out there. And that's the story in these weed fields across, I mean, these rice fields across <laughs> you, you the You probably state. had it right yeah. the first time. Yeah, with I'm sure many folks. of them feel like that. And, and that's driving down yields. That's a, just a pain for them because that's money that you know that they sprayed for mm-hmm. that isn't working. I mean, and that's the worst part. They spent the money and they're not going to see the return on that yield. Um, but I, it's just, uh, I, I'm sure, like for many farmers in the state, it's a passion project. And um, uh, the sad thing is, is that, as you said, Avery, the domestic price doesn't really affect the supply, the world supply, you know. And so um, even if all rice farmers in Louisiana go out of business, I don't know that it's going to impact consumers enough to make them care. So this this industry is just on a knife's edge right now. See, I care immediately because if I can't go and get my Cajun country rice mm-hmm. from the from the store, I'm going to be pretty upset because I know where it's grown, where it's milled, who's growing it, and I know the quality is going to be better than anything that has to travel 48 Absolutely. days from halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and the the problem I guess was what I'm alluding to is that, you know, the whole industry could go away and the supply at the grocery store wouldn't be affected mm-hmm. because there's so much rice out there, which is just sad and i mean if you've ever had uh alan grows jasmine rice and he Ooh. says when you cut it the aroma is so strong when you eat it it's great and and i mean that that stuff that's grown locally in louisiana you can't beat it and i mean how do you have not have rice in louisiana the state of gumbo especially yeah. with the weather having turned like it Etouffee. has Etouffee. yeah mm-hmm. everything we use it jambalaya with everything. <laughs> red beans and rice just made some this week all your yeah. staple dishes for the state yeah right. for real exactly well, uh, how's the saying go start with rice yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then build everything else around it. Because potatoes <laughs> make your butt big. It's <laughs> a bumper sticker. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I mean, and it's true. And it's it's such a beautiful crop, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that golden field uh, just looks amazing. And it, it's just a staple. I mean, duck hunters, duck hunters love mm-hmm. rice fields. So there's a lot of ducks that love to do it. A lot of waterfowl are protected. And over winter in Louisiana's uh, uh, rice fields are on their migration. Yeah, just like Avery's story a couple weeks ago. I mean, that's... 
Yeah. It's a common thing that we see that, you know, farmers around here just love it. Well, we're thinking about those rice farmers. Speaking of Avery's story, let's talk about yours. Yeah, well, you know, you talk about rice fields, what they have problems with down in southwest Louisiana, sometimes the saltwater intrusion. Well, what causes saltwater intrusion? Whenever you start to lose your coastline, well, why are we losing our coastline? Because we have a bunch of big darn rats, rats. out there. <laughs> eating them. I say rats. They're not really rats. They're nutria, mm-hmm. uh, which was a word that gave uh, my certain co-host a bit of trouble on the Whatever. set. Whatever. But, but I not, swear it is tomato, not. tomato. It's a dialect <laughs> issue. Nutria? Nutria? Or nutria? Shut up, Carl. Okay, nutria <laughs> sounds like some kind of, uh, uh, what am I thinking? Uh, that Oh, activia. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds kind of like, you, you know, it'd be a <laughs> Some kind of yogurt that's going to help help your her. intestines right, get yeah, things let's done. Not but, pick on, pick on Kristen. Why not? Well, it's so it, much fun. But nutria are a big problem in Louisiana. In 2017 alone, they destro- destroyed or damaged upwards of 6,000 acres of coastline, especially in southeast. How Louisiana. is that? How do they destroy it? So what they do is they go down and they eat all the roots of all the grasses. So when all the, you see all these 4-H kids out there planting the grasses, yeah, a week later, all the nutria come and eat that because it's, it's like fresh grass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Voles do that. Yeah, uh, and, and they also, the nutria also like to eat uh, young saplings, which is why when you saw the stories I did with the, when they plant cypress trees, they plant them with these plastic collars so that the nutria can't get at their their roots yeah and so when the grass is dead because it has no root then the land can wash away and so now the damaged land has been decreasing year after year ever since uh the louisiana department of wildlife and fisheries instituted its bounty which they upped this year right it is now six dollars a tail instead of five dollars a tail uh, but in 2010, they started that. And back then in 2010, mm-hmm. you had upwards of 17,000 acres of wetlands damaged by nutria. Now we're down to 6,000. Yeah, now we're down to 6,000. So it's working. But mm-hmm. what we still don't have is a good market for nutria. And that's where Hansel and Vinnie Harlan come in. They run a company called Marsh Dog. And they started the company because they wanted to help save Louisiana's coast. Well, what does Marsh Dog do? They are creating a market for nutria by turning the meat into dog treats. Hmm. And, of course, since I have a cat, Neil has four cats. I have nothing. You know, you have nothing. Uh, you have a beautiful wife. I have a wife. So, yeah. Uh, and I like uh, let's change that around. Your wife has you. Yes, she and does. but <laughs> I had to find somebody who had a dog. So I was like, Where would you Chris, find that? There's two types of people in this world. You're either a dog person or a cat person. I'm both, but I'm we, both. we have yeah, we have we have a cat. Uh just because it's easier to take care of. But you have a couple of dogs, and so you joined me with Cooper out at the uh Breck Forest Park dog park. Mm-hmm. And Hansel brought some of the treats over and we had a couple of guest dogs as well. King joined us for a little while. Well, I truly wish that when we were talking about describing the animal and what they do, I wish that we had with us so that we could show that skull with the teeth. Oh, yeah. Because, Carl, you were asking, like, how do, how do they destroy the coastline? I guess in my head I was thinking a beaver, and it's like a beaver mixed with a walrus, I guess, because <laughs> it, it looks like a rodent, and then it's got these walrus-like oh, teeth. Huge. That, 
Yeah, the teeth are huge, and they grow constantly over its lifetime, and they're big, they're yellow, it's from the iron uh, of what they eat. They're oh, tough. Wow. They're like, it's like, it's like uh, cement. I'm trying to think of- Do you have that you in your story? To. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I show I, pictures. I, it's in the interesting, because I've, I've never, I've known what a nutri is. I think about them, like whenever I think about beavers, or I think about, you know, mm-hmm. other animals in that that world, I guess, but I've never actually seen a picture- or video or anything. I don't really know much about Nutria themselves, but what did I want to know this? What did Cooper think about the treats? Or did you take them home to Boss too? I took them home to Boss, yeah, because I you said that I could bring both of them, but the yeah, two I, would, of them I could not imagine you ma- bringing trying Boss down. to manage the two of them because when you give Boss any attention, Cooper immediately just flips out, barks, and he he's enough to keep behaved on its own. So Boss will eat anything. He, I mean, literally anything the only complaint that i have for them is that i wish they were a little bit bigger because boss just swallowed some whole pretty much but yeah cooper really liked the blueberry ones interesting he wasn't too hot on the the blueberry ones were the only crunchy ones and the Mm -hmm. other two flavors were soft Mm -hmm. but um yeah he really liked them aside from his breath i mean yeah but it's dog i mean (laughs) you feed anything to a dog i don't expect any dog to have good breath let's be honest here no we try do you try, try their dental sticks breath. or something? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I don't no. get in dogs' faces that much. I mean, I kind of do miss my dog, though. I had a beagle. I was about to say, you did have a dog. I miss Miss Sadie. But we're hoping to miss the Nutria. Because oh, yeah. that's that's what Marsh Dog really hopes, is they hope to put themselves out of business. Yeah. They want to make a market enough to where there are Nutria eradicated from Louisiana. So how many Nutria are they buying or how much meat are they buying like per year or whatever? How's that work? I mean, do you have so, any numbers like that? I'm just I curious. don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I mean, they're taking in whatever they can as from the bounty program. Yeah. Um, the problem is there's there's not a whole lot of demand. I mean, they tried to, I say they, the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries was working with some chefs to try and develop a market for nutrient yeah. meat for human consumption. Oh. Um, that just sounds that, terrible. That didn't catch on. There are some people who will say it tastes like rabbit. I've I'm I'm I've had a one nutria gumbo. I wish everybody could see Kristen's um, face right now. It's the dis- the disgust. I just don't but want anything. It's rabbit. it's a rodent. It's so, you know, it's an herbivore. It's not like eating a carnivore where it's going to taste really bad, with the exception of like alligator. But mm. I'm sure you touched on this in your story, but the most interesting part of when he was talking about it to me was he had that fur pelt with uh-huh. him and that they were originally, they were brought to the, to the, our, were they brought to Louisiana? They for were this? brought to Louisiana for trapping because <laughs> they had a very desirable fur for like fur coats yeah. for women. Well, is there, isn't there a story about Avery Island? Yep. And so that's that? the the legend is, oh, and legend. I can neither confirm nor deny the authenticity of said legend, but the McElhennies had Nutria at Avery Island, and there was a big hurricane that came through and busted up the cages, and that's how the Nutria escaped. However, <laughs> there were other places which had Nutria in uh, Louisiana at that time, so you can't point the finger at the... Louisiana's favorite hot sauce? Correct. You can't point your finger there. But uh, that they are an invasive species. They are not native to this state. Uh, they are they come from South America and uh, they but they thrive here. Hmm. They do very well. It's the right climate, right temperature. And so go out, look for marsh dog dog treats, feed them to your dogs, 
and uh, let's kill some nutria. Heck yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty cool story, Avery. I would not have. I don't we know. Go what, back to how did you find that? How did you me. find that story? Out of curiosity, just real quick. Did so, they find you? Yeah, they found me. Uh, Vinny uh, Harlan had uh, reached out, sent me an email, and I was like. This sounds like a great story. And then they came by and hung out uh, here at the Farm Bureau for a little while and brought some treats. And I tried a couple. I mean, uh, I brought some, uh, some friends. No, I'm he kidding. did say that you can. He did. He yeah. said he he went on a TV segment somewhere in New Orleans, I think. Yeah. And he said that they he had to prove the fact that they were any human could eat them, and so he had to eat one on camera. Yeah. Mm-mm. He did not talk about the flavor, though. No. <laughs> he did yeah. not talk about the flavor, and that's okay. That's okay. You know, as long as dogs like the flavor, that's all that matters. Well, interesting. Well, one of the other stories that I covered this week in the show is Farm to School Conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a nice little segment. It's just kind of two stories back to back about Farm to School, Ag in the Classroom. And uh, this, this past week, there was the Farm to School Conference in Baton Rouge. And it was a ton of teachers and administrators and just school system uh, employees that were there in Baton Rouge hearing discussions, uh, meeting with vendors. Uh, the yes, first lady was there. Donna Edwards. Ms. Donna Edwards was there speaking about, you know, school nutrition and, you know, how important it is for kids to know where their food comes from. And I thought that was a really cool conference. And we've covered it a couple times now. And I just I love that whole movement. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan of it, what, the, what they're doing. They had people there from food procurement, right? Yes, yeah, they had. That was the word I had trouble saying on the Yeah, set. you did have trouble <laughs> saying Yeah, but I wouldn't bring that up in a podcast later. <laughs> yeah, procurement. Uh, they had an entire, like, uh, what they call it, a procurement um, gala, not a gala, but some some kind of a, you know, an event that evening where they were just, they had, you know, booths set up with, I saw Supreme Rice there. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, groups from the Department of Agriculture and, you know, all this farm to school, like types of, you know, customers, people like maybe with a specific product, um, Gidry's Fresh Cuts mm-hmm. is there, you know, and they, they have, you know, pre-packaged uh, gumbo mixes and things like that, that they're trying to get into schools because they want Louisiana food in yep. in Louisiana schools. And it's it just a really cool event. But what also we talked about was the Seed Survivor trailers that are coming. And those are from Nutrien Ag, which is a uh, formerly CPS, but... It's a it's a you know a ag retailer mm-hmm. from across the state, and they have sponsored. Uh, they have their own ag like kind of mobile classrooms that they bring around to schools. Kind of like the bookmobile, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, but the seed mobile. The seed mobile. But they're coming to Louisiana. We'll have them from November to March. For the first time, they're coming to for Louisiana, the first time. Right? Yeah, it's a it's a big deal, and we have two trailers that are going to be floating around parish. Like I think half the parishes in the state, or something close to that. And I think it's 26. 26, that's not quite half. But no, that is. That's more than half. How many parishes are in well, the state? No, it's less than half. It's less than half. Two. That, is, that is why I am a liberal arts major, <laughs> not a math major. I, I really had to legitimately ask, is that half? I, the I person who knows everything, it's so wonderful and rewarding I don't know to get everything. what you think you do. Yeah. Yeah. You think you do. I don't think I do. You think you do. Well, you, yes, sell, you, do. you sell it as if you do. But anyways. You know a lot of uh, useless Jeopardy style trivia. <laughs> yes, useless you, stuff. This was something that was useful, hence why I thought it was more than half. Anyways, sixty-four divided by two. Thirty-two. Everybody, let's do it. Thirty-two. I was talking about off. twenty-four. So, um, parishes are going to have access to this trailer, and they're coming around for maybe a week, maybe, uh, uh, maybe even a couple weeks if there's the demand yeah. in your area. But they're going to come around second and third. No, third and fourth grade is kind of the ideal place, um, ideal you know groups to be there in the uh, trailer. That would really, I mean, it's just a hands-on 
interactive type of a classroom setting that they can come and see how their food's grown. And I think it's just a really cool thing to see in schools. And if they're not coming to your parish or your school, you can make a request, correct? Yeah, you can get on the website. And we actually have it on our website at twilighttv.org. I'll put a link in the show notes about it if you want to find some more about it. What's also cool about it is a lot of the folks who are going to be there are volunteers mm-hmm. who had to go through training specifically for this, and it was all done through the Louisiana Ag and the Classroom Program. Volunteers that have experience on farms. Yep. Farm wives, former school teachers, um, actual farmers. So yeah. there's a... It's it's, the, it's a great resource. Yeah, members of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committee. Mm-hmm. All of those folks are involved in this to really make it possible. Yeah, and like we said, we'll put some links in the show notes if you want to learn more about the Seed Survivor, just Ag in the Classroom, which I don't Get know if we've— out there. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever made it very clear, but, man, the Ag in the Classroom has some incredible resources for schools. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, you know, K through 12— there are there's a resource for you somewhere in there. The interactive map is really cool and the videos on it. Yeah. The videos are really good. <laughs> I think it's one of the best outreach programs there is. Um, and not the least of which is because Carl did that that video. That's what he's he's bragging on. Avery did half of them. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> would you be 26? Uh, they, no. Not quite 26. <laughs> you missed a They're math lesson. Oh. Quick. How many parishes in Louisiana? 64. What's half of 64? 32. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Neil used all of his fingers to, to do that, that math. Wow. He said 24 <laughs> is not half of 64. Uh, and it was 26. Kristen wants to make Whatever. sure that make everybody knows that Avery had something wrong. <laughs> said something wrong. He's always right. Anyways. All right. Can go well, home happy. We're going to wrap it up. I, I do want to know, Kristen, tell us about the boost real quick. Do we have a fuzzy story? We a have, warm and fuzzy I have story? a warm and fuzzy story, which is similar to the one that we did last show go around, but it's farmers helping farmers. A Minnesota, the Minnesota millennial farmer, um, and he does a spiel in it from a, the cab of his tractor, and it's really called traction on social media because yeah. he said, you know, America is what a lot of people don't know about farmers, and he gives a spiel about it helping helping their neighbors, and yeah, you'll have to watch it. We'll put a link yeah. to the show. It's really important, you know, for people to who eat every single day to know where their food and fiber comes from and know what these farmers go through. It's just unbelievable. In a future show, we're going to talk about the stress and the strain on a lot of farmers, the mental toll. A lot of people don't realize Mm -hmm. that. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, Avery Davidson, Kristen Oaks-White, Carl Wiggers, thank you guys once again for a great podcast. I'm Neil Melanson. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and even share it with a friend or two. Also, if you liked it, go ahead and leave us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. What would you like to hear more of? What do you not like that much? That's okay to hear too. The Twilight After Show podcast is brought to you by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again right here next week. We'll see you next week.